Welcome to the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. Hello, everyone. This is Benji Davis, and I'm stepping in for Michael Underberg, who is on vacation. Mike, I hope you're having fun up north in Israel doing whatever it is that you're doing. But this is the Macomb Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, and we have some awesome guests. Uh, so without further ado, Matthew, who is our co-host, would you like to introduce our awesome guests and what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Yochi and Wendy, who are representing the Women of the Wall organization. Yochi is the executive director. Wendy is the media and communications director. And they're coming to speak to us about their mission, their ideology, and what they're hoping to achieve for Women of the Wall. I just realized that before we get into this awesome conversation, I was supposed to ask you, Matthew, how are you? That's what you always do. How are you? And then what are you supposed to say? I'm supposed to say... Be honest, and I'm great. I just got back from a, a, a month on the West Coast of America, and I'm doing fine. Uh, I was going to make fun of our old host, Alan, and you say, okay, Mike. Uh, our listeners will understand that joke. Anyway, Yofi uh, and Wendy, welcome to the pod. We'd love for you to introduce yourselves. You can choose who goes first, who you are, and how you ended up on this podcast representing your organization, Women of the Wall. Yofi? Yofi. We don't hear you. We don't hear you. Oh. So, Wendy, start us off. Hi, my name is Wendy. I work as the media coordinator for Women of the Wall. Uh, I live in Jerusalem, and I've been with Women of the Wall for almost two years. Um, And... You don't sound like you're from Jerusalem. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm originally from New York, Farakoui, New York, uh-huh. um, and I've been living here in Jerusalem for five years. Okay, and w- from your background, what brought you to now work for Women of the Wall? I mean, that's a, a personal choice you're obviously making that represents religious values, political values, certain things like for that. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure like how much in detail you want me to go right now. Um, I could give like a short answer. Give us your 30 second pitch of what, why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, I'm coming from like a, an Orthodox, I guess you could say ultra Orthodox background. And so, um, definitely not there anymore. Um, but I, you could say I find, I find like, um, excitement and meaning in working with religious women towards, um, equal rights and um, equality within Israel. Um, and I see Women of the Wall's work as something that's like much broader than just the quota. What What in your life transition, like, did you, I mean, listen, I've actually been following on Twitter the whole My Orthodox Life hashtag and what's been happening with the show mm-hmm. on Netflix. And I happen to have watched some of the, I actually just watched an episode of that show tonight before mm-hmm. we started this podcast. So it's deep on my yeah. eye. So I guess it's somewhat, I mean, I don't, it's not the same thing, but you're saying you left ultra, it seems you clearly left ultra orthodoxy and you yeah. made a Jewish choice, intentional choice to be like my Jewish path um, exactly. is completely different, but you wanted to make a positive Jewish choice, which maybe seems to be something different than what I've seen on that TV show, perhaps. <laughs> but I haven't um, watched it so much. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is like a positive outlet to like connect to Judaism and still be involved in a way that is like empowering and meaningful for me. Right. 
did you, um, is it okay if I ask these, these questions? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Did you lean into Woman of the Wall because of its feministic perspective or its perspective on Judaism? Or was it a combination of the two? Because um, it's okay. a very Jewish thing that you're doing nonetheless. It is. Um, yeah. Um, I would say, like, mostly the feminist aspect of it. I'll tell you, living in Israel um, as a woman, um, as an adult woman, has been quite interesting because coming from New York, it's so different. There's really a lack of separation of religion and state in a way that really shocked me and really began to like frustrate me. And so um, my work for Women of the Wall kind of is like a healthy outlet for me to like take that frustration and be like, okay, let's make some real positive change. Let's, let's do, let's be active and, and see what we can work on. Um, yeah, obviously like the Jewish part is, is really nice and it's, you know, familiar to me. Um, but I would say like the feminism really interested mm-hmm. me and yeah is that uh, okay now about women of the wall um i guess uh let's not not to have a question um before we ask to uh, get into women of the wall and see uh, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually quite keen to get into women of the wall and and to find out what the wider mission is because you said before that it's a, a big contributing to to judaism in general and at large, mm-hmm. and my my limited understanding was it was always sort of a one issue kind of um, organization. So I'm fascinated to hear what other issues you, you guys are working on. Absolutely, let's get into it. So, can you hear me now? Yeah, okay, go ahead, just dive right in. So our goal is very simple. As everyone knows, our goal is that women will be able to pray freely at the Western Wall, the Kotel. Um, we have one goal, we call it the four T's, which is talit, tfilin, tfilah, praying out loud, and Torah. As of 2013, women legally are able to pray out loud with the talit and tfilin. Our remaining goal until today is the Torah, for women to be able to read Torah at the Western Wall, at the women's section of the Kotel. Over the years, we have realized that the Kotel is just a mirror for different issues taking place in Israel in terms of discrimination against women, but also in terms of state and religion. So we understood that once we fight for the Western Wall, we're actually fighting for a wider problem here in Israel, which is, A, women being discriminated against in the public sphere, and once the government allows women to shush women, to shut women up at the Western Wall, they're basically allowing the discrimination in the rest of the country, And by us fighting for equal rights for women at the Western Wall, we're fighting for equal rights at the the rest of the country. And the second is the the more wider problem is state and religion, which we have lack of separation within state and religion, and all of the issues that relate to that. And once you have only one way to pray at the Western Wall, which is the Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox way, we see the monopoly over religion in the rest of the country. So today, the Ministry of Religious Affairs announced of breaking the monopoly over Kashrut, which is a blessing, a huge blessing. Right, saw that. Yes, that finally, restaurants will have the choice 
Um, what kind of kashrut they want? Who, who do they want to get their kosher certificate from? And not just the chief rabbinate. In terms of marriage, how people can marry, who can marry here in Israel. And it all starts at the Kotel. The Kotel is the symbol of the Jewish nation. And it's, it's the catalyzator who's dragging that train of state and religion. So do you guys work actively in those spheres as well? Because there's lots of other organizations in Israel that deal with religion and state issues. So do you actively work in the issues of kashrut and, and marriage and things like that? or Not actively. The... Not actively, but we do join together in collaboration. We do work with the same goals, which is breaking the monopoly. So we collaborate in different ways. And it's a privilege to be part of this beautiful movement that's bringing this vital change to Israel, vital change to this country. And, sorry, if you, if you don't mind me just asking another question about that. Is your goal, because you said in terms of the, um, the, the way that you want women to be represented at the cartel or be able to be represented is along an orthodox feminist line, right? So that you're looking for, still looking for women to dove and pray separately from men and things like that, right? And within a... a, a um, within what would be recognized as orthodox uh, Judaism. Is that the same for the other issues? Like, for example, um, would you be pushing to accept reform marriages in Israel? Would you be pushing to accept reform conversions? Or everything is within an umbrella of, under the umbrella of orthodoxy in, in the Women of the Wall's vision? Women of the Wall are women from all denominations. We have orthodox, reform, conservative, unaffiliated, masorti, uh, reconstructionist, liberal, etc., etc., etc. Women of the wall pray according to the Orthodox halacha. I think, as Yochi and as um, a Jewish woman who lives here in Israel, that it's crucial to have various ways to to live our lives. I think that Judaism cannot be um, only in the hands of the Orthodox Jews. You can't interpret Judaism as Orthodox only, and I say it as an Orthodox woman, as someone who halakha is very important for her. And the fact that the halakha does not allow gay marriage, for instance, to men living together or having a, um, a life hold together does not mean that living here in Israel should prevent them from having that opportunity of having kids, having a family Israel is not, is not um, an Orthodox state. Israel is a state for all Jews. And the fact that it's run like an Orthodox state is just driving people away from Judaism. And I care about Judaism. Judaism is a, is a huge part of my life. And that's why I personally say that we, we, we cannot allow Judaism to be Orthodox only, Orthodox-oriented. So is that what you just said influenced in 2016 when Mouna Wall accepted the government compromise of the, the uh, Israel Israel, the, the space which is essentially targeted towards the pluralistic or egalitarian groups, saying that we're okay with that. But then that goes, that kind of seemed to have been a big compromise based on what you just said, saying that you want... It's a huge to- compromise. It's a hu- and you have to understand, it's, that's exactly the word. It's a compromise. It's not our goal. It's not our dream. Our dream is women praying freely with a Torah scroll at the women's section. But 
we do see how women at the women's section are hurting when we go there. They cry when we come. And we do understand that we, we don't want we don't want to take away anything from anyone. We see the Haredim, the ultra-Orthodox Jews. We see how it hurts them to see other women praying in a different way. We see those women being scared for their kids. They don't want their girls to come up and see that there's a different way of praying, that women with talit and tefillin is something that happens in the world, and the sky still remains in its place, and, and no one, like the yeah. lightning, no one um, shot me dead. Um, I wasn't hit by a lightning or anything like that. Um, they're scared, and we, we want what's called shlom bayit. For everyone's sakes, for everyone, in terms of love, in terms of everyone having their place at the Kotel, the majority of Jews all over the world are not Orthodox. They are Reform, conservative. They practice Judaism, if they practice Judaism, in a more uh, liberal, pluralistic mindset. And for them, when they come to Israel, when they come to the Kotel, and I'm talking about secular Jews here in Israel as well, they don't want the mechitza. They don't want to be separated from men. They want to walk in. The grandmother wants to stand next to her, son, her grandson when he has his bar mitzvah. A mother wants to stand next to her son and not have to stand on a plastic chair to see him praying yeah, or, or laning for the first I've, time. I've seen those bar mitzvahs. I've been it's to embarrassing. That it's yeah. embarrassing. So, Joachim, I'm, I'm a little confused now. So you're advocating to get rid of a mechitza at the Kotel? Or? Not at no, all. No, no, no. What I understood, and we can throw it back to Yochi, obviously, is the, the, the compromise of 2016. Men's section, uh-huh. women's section, okay, and then the Hazrat Yisrael section, where women of the wall can meet, and Talit, Tefillin, Tzilah, Torah, as a woman's exclusive minion in that space, so it won't bother folks that are bothered by it, but it, it's equal, as in it's part of the plaza, they can access it. Um, is Got that, Yochi, okay. is that, do we, do we get that? Yes, and to find a solution for all Jews all over so they can feel at home at the Western Wall in Israel as well. We all see the Kotel as something that's bigger than just a religious site. It's a symbol. It's, it's, it became something so much bigger than just a religious site. We turned it into a holy site. And by us turning it into a holy site, we all have a right to connect in our own way. Yeah, and it's, preventing it's, Jews from that privilege. And that's what we saw on the last Tisha B'Av on Motzei Shabbat, where you had uh, a group of zealot Jews from the the national religious groups who just came in, put a mechitza in Ezrat Israel, which is a pluralistic plaza. It's what we call, um, it's kivsat harash. I don't know how you translate it into English, but it's it's the little bit that, the, that liberal Jews have here in Israel. They have that small plaza that's not even renovated. There's no bathroom down there. But it's all that they have, and for that group of zealots to come down there, to put a mechitza, when they know that the the conservative movement in Israel are coming there to read Megillat Eicha, on the night where we mourn Zion, we mourn Jerusalem, we mourn the second temple that was destroyed because of baseless, of of, us, Sinat Chinam, 
um, baseless hatred. Yeah, baseless hatred. It's just hurting. It's hurtful. It's something that to see how they don't accept other Jews praying according to their way. You have today. You have Israel Israel. You have a small plaza, uh, which was. I mean, there's still a struggle to to renovate it and and um, and have what we call the Kotel Agreement, where the government is going to fund that plaza, renovate it, and. Women of the Wall, together with conservative and reform movements, are going to run the place. Um, but right now, there is a small section where where they can pray freely, without a mechitza. It's I don't want to say an embarrassing plaza. I don't want to say it's kind of like a third class plaza the way it looks today. It's not the same. It, n- not the same at all. And yet, you still had group of, of uh, men and women led by various rabbis from the Tzionuta Datit who, who called upon their students to come on Tisha B'Av, put, a, put up a mechitza, and just pray in a way that's not right. welcome. I wanted to bring into the conversation at least the voice of the criticism that would say is, on the one hand, I've heard this is that well the pluralistic the Israel Yisrael there aren't egalitarian minions happening there every day right as in it's this open space and it's a free space so why can't it be used by whoever they want number one and then number two I wanted to ask um, I guess firstly what would you what do you I mean I'm assuming you have a response to that that criticism which is the you know and also women of the walls once a month Right, so what's the, the, the frequency of, of use criticism? How do you respond to that? I, th- I mean, there are many ways to answer this question, and the first one is, so what? Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to Israel Israel on Monday, Thursday, Sh- Shabbat, you'll see their services. You'll okay. see there are many bar and bat mitzvahs, and yet... Maybe on a day-to-day, you don't have the same amount of people who go to the main the main plaza. But also, you it's it's kind of like a question of uh, the egg and the chicken. What comes before what? If they renovate the place and it's accessible and people know how to enter that plaza, more people. We love babies enjoy. on the pod, by the way. We love mm-hmm. babies. Uh, Yochi has a one-month-old, and she's doing the podcast with us at only the one-month-old, and so we're just grateful that she's here. And um, should there be many more Jewish babies on our podcast? <laughs> um, right. So the chicken or the egg—that's a good one. And then what? Um, Look, today, when you go to Israel, Israel, it's very hard to find the entrance to Israel, Israel. It's a small entrance; you barely see the sign. You go, you go down there. There are so many steps. Meaning, if you have a wheelchair, if you're um, a person with a stroller, I can go down there if, with my kids. It's, I can't go down there with a stroller. So no, many steps. Can't. No. Um, no bathroom. And I've seen yeah. an embarrassing um, event where a mother had to take her child. And, you know, children, if they have to go, they have to go. I How have a two-year-old. Exactly. Is she potty trained yet? No, but her friends are gone. And she, I always ask her, Mai, you want to go get potty there. like, get like there. your friends? No. I'm like, okay, you'll do your thing. But anyway, yeah, her friends are. I'm seeing it all the time with my friends' uh, parent, the my my friends with their kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
so once you go down there, you you have no chairs. By the way, you can bring chairs down there. Um, it's not the same plaza. If it's gonna be when it's gonna be renovated, and I do believe that the Kotel agreement will come through soon. But when it's gonna be renovated, we'll be able and we'll get the funding that the other plaza has, the northern plaza has, because you have a hundred million shekels that go towards the northern plaza to bring students there every year. Once you have that in place, yes, more and more and more people are going to come to that egalitarian section. Right now, when you ask people, do you know that that exists, that most of them are going to say no. We don't have the, the funding to advertise. We, I mean, not we. I mean, talking about the conservative movement. Women of the wall are not going to move to the egalitarian section until the Kotel agreement is not um, implement, amplified. Um, do so, you think... And by yes, the way, yeah, sorry. if you want a mechitza, you have where to pray with a mechitza. You don't need to come to the egalitarian section and put up a mechitza there. If you want a separate beach, the government provides you with a separate beach. It doesn't matter if you go there every day or you want to just go, you know, once every few months. I mean, Tel Aviv, Tel Avivim, they go to the beach every day. So, but does it mean that they need to take over the separate beach as well? No, because everyone should have a, a place where they feel comfortable when they want to go swimming at the beach. It's a public site. You only have one kotel, so allow everyone to pray at the kotel according to their way. Um, Yoch, it's an interesting analogy you brought with the beach. Um, I don't want to get too technical into your analogy, but what I understand is that some beaches, they flip the days, right? So women would go like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for example, and men would go on the other days. So if we're going to take your analogy for a second... Would you apply? Would you, in theory, be happy to apply that? That certain days men get, or the Orthodox or the Ultra Orthodox, however, get to to pray one way, and on other days, women of the world get the way they want to do it. And on other days, I'm talking about the main plaza now. Is that something you would push for, or you think that's just crazy? I don't think it's necessary, honestly. You have another section at the Western Wall. You have a place for to create that egalitarian section. Just why not use it? Okay. Why not have a beautiful plaza down there? Why not have um, us, together with Women of the Wall, with reform and conservative movements, be in charge of the place and not the rabbi of the Western Wall? There, there really is no need to divide the northern plaza. Okay. Um, can you tell us a bit about in which spheres, or like how are you activists, right? I know you guys go there on Rosh Chodesh. You go there on the Jewish, New, on the Jewish New month to, to pray. Um, do you work like in lobbying at all, like with the Knesset and stuff? Do you work, I mean, we have your media coordinator here, so I assume you do work through the media and PR and things like that. So like, how, do you, how are you trying to achieve your, your goals? I mean, I I think Yochi would be better equipped to talk about like what happens um, at Supreme Court or at the Knesset. But I could tell you from a media perspective, we focus a lot um, on education and just you know spreading like the idea that women and girls should be taking an active role in their Judaism 
in a way that I feel hasn't really been seen. Um, we, you know, promote bat mitzvahs and, um, we've started all different programs, especially with COVID, um, surrounding education. And I think that is a very powerful way to, you know, show our activism. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yochi, do you want to talk about like our political activism? Yeah, so one of our, our main goals is to bring our story to the public attention. So we do that through the media, obviously. Um, the media likes to report about only when there's violence at the Kotel. We try to bring the wider story and the, the beautiful parts about our service as well, not just when there's a um, conflict at the Kotel. We obviously, as Wendy mentioned, we have um, a lot of lectures. We meet various groups. Some of them were Benji's groups up until a few years ago before COVID, where we, we meet right. Israelis, foreigners, everyone basically um, in Israel and abroad. And we talk about Women of the Wall, about who we are, what we're trying to achieve. We obviously have a legal service where we we're trying to what we're trying to do is not just solve the problem on the ground. We're trying to change the law. So legally today, and that is thanks to our struggle of 33 years, it's legal for a woman to walk into the women's section with a talit and her tefillin. What was illegal until 2013, which is crazy to think about it, that in the state of the Jewish people, Israel, a woman, a Jewish woman, could not pray with her Jewish items. Um, when I see a group of, uh, in Urpina, a religious um, school for girls, praying and, and singing out loud at the women's section, it's thanks to our struggle. It's on our back. Um, uh, so even yes, though they would have disagreed with it's, you. Exactly, and they disagree with us, but they need to understand that it's thanks to us that they can sing at the Western Wall. Interesting. Um, and we That's had really interesting. we had um, two years ago where we came um, because we have different events. We don't only go on Rosh Chodesh. We go Hanukkah, Slichot. We read uh, Megillah and Purim at the Western Wall and a few other events there. And while we were waiting to start our service, there was a huge, a huge circle of girls from uh, Petach Tikva, from a religious, very religious school, who were singing, singing the slichot. And I came up to them afterwards and I said, you know, this is so emotional for me because this is the reason that we fight, that we, that this is our struggle for you, not just for us. And one of them started yelling at me angrily. Yes, but you do it just for provocative reasons. We just come here and pray and look. It's very natural. You just do it with your talit and tefillin. You, you, you're, try, you're just trying to stick a finger in the Haredi's eye. And I said, look, you don't have to agree with me. But the fact that for you it's natural to sing was not, was not natural 33 years ago. It's thanks to us. So you asked about lobbying. We obviously were working very closely with the Knesset, not only this Knesset, which is more friendly for our issue, but we were working with... Uh, you think? <laughs> well, we were waiting for a Knesset like this for so many years. Uh, but we've been working with uh, everyone for the past uh, decade, if not more, to bring, um, again, for 
to find a solution here to change the law where women have a place to pray, where liberal Jews have a place to pray at the Western Wall. Um, so we're pushing. Obviously, we, according to Supreme Court, we have a petition open with them together with various, various organizations about the Kotel. Supreme Court is not dealing with anything but with the Kotel agreement, meaning even um, the organization um, that, that want Tfilat Nashim Bakotel, original women of the wall, they call themselves in English, that want women to read Torah at the Kotel. Supreme Court is basically ignoring everything and just talking about the Kotel agreement and trying to pressure the government to move for the Kotel agreement. They we're working with all of the parties in the coalition right now um, to see how we can push this forward. It's a very simple issue in the end of the day. So do you see a horizon that this government, well, on the one hand, you have an absolute friend in the alternative prime minister um, who's come out publicly, right, in support of women in the wall. I've heard him in the past, right, Yair Lapid. Um, Naftali Bennett, who is a from religious Zionism, although I don't know how many more religious Zionists will vote for him in the future that aren't from the little Dutzy light community of Renana and other places, but we'll see what his political future will bring. But he is a religious Zionist right-winger, but yet he's a little more pluralistic and that he was a part of the original Kotel compromise, especially when he was the Asper minister. And like, he was involved. Like It seems he is supportive of your position before... He built the egalitarian section. Right. I, it seems that you couldn't... The number one and the number two of this government couldn't be more pro-woman of the wall than you've ever had in your lifetime. Is that I correct say- saying that? I wouldn't say that Naftali Bennett is pro-women of the wall. He is more keen towards our issue. Mm -hmm. Um, He did, he was the one who built the egalitarian section, but again, the egalitarian section, and I do urge you to Google. I've been there a good amount of times. I I can tell the listeners it's not the same. It's It's, exactly. It's not the same, so. (laughs) Um, But yes, this government is willing to, to listen and, and to move forward. But again, I can be optimistic. And, and again, we're, we are in, we're in touch with most of the parties there. It's still someone needs to bring this to a government's decision. And so, hopefully it's going to happen before Rosh Chodesh Elul, which is three weeks. Yeah. Why, why do you think, it, oh, because that's your next meeting. Because how long can we wait? It's a very simple issue. The Kotel agreement is good for everyone. Why wait? We've been waiting the for... The government can barely... The, the coalition barely passes laws. So why... And, how do you And think that's why I'm not optimistic. Because it's as simple as it is, it's not the most simple government ever. It's Things are complicated with them, but I still think that... The Kotel Agreement can be one of the decisions that this government, when this government was, when they when they um, formed this government, they said that they're not going to change anything within religious status quo. They did talk about a few minor things like Kashrut, like they uh, decided today. And they said that the Kotel Agreement... Which is not minor. No, 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 it's not minor at all. But as you saw, it's very simple. Everyone gets 
I know that the Haredim and the chief rabbinate are afraid for their position, but everyone gets to keep their own way. Right? right. I just thought it was crazy because I don't know any Haredim that will eat Rabbanut. But <laughs> that's why I don't make sense. It doesn't make also, any sense to me. They won't they eat also, it. They want to be in charge. They also didn't I'm, get married by they also they didn't do. get married exactly. by the rabbinate. Exactly. So who uses here, the chief so. rabbinate? What? Who's so the Haredim don't use them, right? But yet the rest of the country has to be stuck right. with with their monopoly. So why? Why? And I, I I think we're all the force little cubes here on the Zoom will just all agree <laughs> with each other on that personally. So there's no reason to chime anymore on that. But um, Yochi, um, can I come back to the politics yeah. for a second? Um, yeah, I, I also wanted to go back to politics, but Matthew, yeah. take it away. Is there, have you, uh, within the current coalition, are there any parties or personalities which are actively opposed to what your organization is trying to make? I'm assuming maybe in Yamina there might be some dissenting voices, but any of the other parties, do there, are there any... Uh, body who's actually come out against what you're trying to do, like actively against what you're trying to do? So we we have not heard of anyone who actively came out against the Kotel Agreement. Um, no, and not actively. You, and you don't even need Brahm. I mean, it's like who maybe would be problematic for them politically because of anything changing the status quo you know, in the, the plaza there under the Temple Mount. Some Palestinians really make it, they get they're bothered by it and think it's a political It's not idea. supposed to bother. It's not touching the Temple Mount. It's No, no, but even they say any the, the Brit, anything they've said, they've right. commented on it before. I'm just saying what could be sensitive, not saying normatively what's right or wrong. I'm just saying what could produce a political issue. However, um, all it needs is a cabinet vote and Ram's not in the cabinet because they don't have any ministers. So it's just if someone in the mid, like as in, it have to come from the prime minister to say, we're going to put this to a cabinet, a government decision vote, and then that that's it, and then it would just be the process it needs to start to come, again? It needs to come from uh, one of the ministers there. They need oh, to so push it. Could be it. Any, it could be any minister, Susan. You can Anyone call your, can. Yeah, Rav they, can say, hey, I want this on the agenda for Sunday's meeting. Yes, she can put it on the agenda. She needs to push it towards the prime minister. So essentially, it seems like it's, if I understood correctly, if I understand the political nuances here, when Yair Lapid wants to put it into a, a cabinet meeting, that's when it's going to happen. Yes, it, or Bennett, I mean, not, but yes, Lapid. I mean, I don't think, <laughs> I think it's going to be Lapid. It's not, Bennett might run. No, no, it's going to be Lapid. He's not going to, he's not going to, Bennett's not initiating this. It's going to be, Lapid needs to decide when he wants to initiate it and put his political backing behind it. And, you know, he'll have to see if the, how long this government will last. Uh, will Bennett, you know, um, uh, honor the transition to Lapid in about two years? I'm assuming what he's going to want to do is, is if there's a two-year budget that will be passed sometime after the Chagim, then that's your best shot. Is That's stability for the government that gets you up to almost Lapid becoming prime minister. Uh, or it's when, if they pass the second budget and then for sure Lapid becomes prime minister, then if it doesn't happen, then I don't know, like woman of the wall, like you got to work on your political lobbying. Cause if you have Lapid <laughs> as prime minister, I'm serious. I mean, you know, I, I think that's it, but I'm not your political advisor here, Yochi. And when we have a great political advisor, he's one of the reasons that uh, the law for Kashut was passed today. So great. I think so, we're in very good hands. Um, so keep paying him. <laughs> <laughs> But that, yeah, I think that's, I think it's, I think that's what's gonna happen. If it's gonna happen, if that's, 
those are the scenarios that I see. I don't know. Do you see it any Okay, so you're, you're on board. <laughs> yes. Um, while we're talking about agendas and, and cabinet meetings and all those things, and, and I'm going to say this with, with great respect, so please don't take this the wrong way. But right now, do you think that the cause of Women of the Wall is on anybody's, say, top three or four priorities? We have a government which is struggling to survive. We have an uptick in corona cases. God knows what the school year is going to look like coming up with all closures that may be and stuff. Um, security is obviously a big problem at the moment as well. So do you think that you have... I, I'm assuming that Women of the World is probably like not the top tier of priorities for the government. Is that something which you have felt with the corona era or not so much? Yes, definitely. Everyone everyone felt um, that you're not on the... On the top agenda of the government, any organization that works with the government. And and that's why when, Benjamin, you say if, if it's not going to happen now, it's not going to happen, you're right. But, yes, this government has so many issues to deal with. And anyway, it's it's such a fragile government. Um, but yet we have good people working with us and for us. And, again, this is such a simple issue. It can be resolved now, if they wanted it to be, and I know that they want it to be, you're, but again, they have other simple, issues. Technically, it's simple. Sim- simple, technically, exactly. Yes. Yes. It's not simple for oh. lots of people. Yes, but this is after three years of negotiations. Don't forget that the government brought up the Kotel Agreement in 2016 after working on it, negotiating for three years from 2013 to 2016. The Haredim, the old Orthodox parties, agreed. Their Kotel rabbi agreed. Everyone agreed. We agreed. And they decided to cancel it due to old Orthodox pressure. Well, they're, they don't, they're not in the government right now. So um, I guess we'll see what happens. This is a pretty... One day, I hope, Yochi and Wendy, you guys can get someone to make a movie about it. I'd watch it. <laughs> yes, we're actually... That's, uh, we're working on that, too. Uh, maybe so we'll you should hire you to the me. premiere. <laughs> <laughs> what would you call it? Can My women of the world life. <laughs> oh, well, God. Women off the wall. <laughs> oh, good one. Your, your critics might also call you that, too. <laughs> <laughs> women of the world visit Ben and Jerry's for ice cream. That would oh, be yeah. no. Uh, hey. The, the Kotel is over the green line in the occupied territories, according to Ben and Jerry's, so you cannot, you, we won't, you won't go get Ben and Jerry's after you have your Rosh Chodesh davening at the, at the <laughs> city, so we'll see what happens with that, but that's for a different podcast episode. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, Yochi and Wendy, it was a really pleasure to have you on the podcast. Uh, great to Matthew, see you again. Great to see great you, to you virtually. Uh, hope to see you in person soon, hopefully in the old city to get you to, to speak to students again. And um, I guess, as Michael usually says, this is the end of the episode, everyone. So bye-bye. <laughs>